It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Wow. Anything could happen in the next hour or so, ladies and gentlemen. Dave Downey, Dave Downey, the man himself, is uh, is finding himself behind the wheels of steel. Uh, he's absolutely going crazy at the moment. He's running the desk tonight in Jake's absence as we talk about Everton's results over the weekend, Liverpool's results over the weekend, and the way in which the le- this affects the league ta- uh, table. Dave, the top eight is the top eight is the top eight is the top eight. Yes or no? Yes, it's cemented now, isn't it? There's a four-point gap between uh, top seven and eighth place, isn't it? 15 points to uh, down... 15 points Everton down to 11 points Man United as we stand so uh, it's looking like it's going to it's going to be that way so I, th- I think Southampton um, I, I, a lot of people are saying they're surprised by them but you know the way you look at the play and they don't concede many goals at all uh, they were more than worthy of that one all draw at Old Trafford at the weekend um, I mean I, I think the, the players they've got the system they play as well with Schneiderlin as the whole midfield player I, I think he's someone Possibly Liverpool will look at getting in January uh, in terms of cover for possibly Lucas because I think he's a he's a really good central uh, defensive midfield player and I think the system they play is tailor made to fit him. Yeah, I think that that's the case, but I think that you know what you end up with there is you're going to end up with a situation I think where Southampton the way they've dealt with things over the summer they're fighting very 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 hard. I think they can see an opportunity here and I think that the that they seem to have a lot about them. And I think that the manager would be loath to let anyone go, really, at that stage. I think that they're very interesting, Southampton. We talked about them a bit last week. But let's talk, you know, let's do, we'll do Liverpool first this week, mm. uh, despite the fact that there'll be the usual people <laughs> complaining uh, vis-a-vis extra time. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. That's the way extra time roll, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, as you know, that's the uh, that's the Liverpool devoted hour on Mondays at 5 o'clock on City Talk 105.9. Um, I'll be getting into trouble for that one. Uh, they're not really Liverpool devoted. You just think that they are. But we will do Liverpool first here, because I thought Liverpool's results actually the more, was one of the most interesting Results and performance was one of the most interesting ones of the weekend. It was suddenly, uh, Dave, we had a conversation last week and you said you felt that Liverpool's strike force could get them out of any trouble. And without anyone playing particularly well, they did that. Suarez mm. sets up the penalty, um, gets, wins the penalty, and which is very much a penalty won, by the way. It is a penalty, it is a red card, but he's won it. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's put, he puts himself in a position where and he knows that this lad is almost certainly going to foul him. He's not a dope. And then you've got a storage is set up by Suarez after a nice little through ball from Moses. But Liverpool were slow to react, really. They were slow out of the blocks. The I've got no problem with slow football as long as you you know what you're doing with slow football and Liverpool was slow without being able to slow Newcastle down in the early going and then from there I thought that Liverpool sort of had an afternoon that they never really until the last 20 minutes seemed as though they were in control of and I think it's a it's a square peg round hole issue and I think specifically it's been building in the last few weeks because I think the lads are really good players so it's, it's, it's making it clear that you're not on the lads back but Victor Moses isn't a number 10 and this is hugely problematic mm-hmm. I think Dave you know Moses is not Sort of, he's not comfortable there as a number ten. Liverpool looked a lot better when after went on sixty-two. Alberto came on, and suddenly started to direct play a lot. You know, he seems he seems to be the sort of footballer who can very much find time. And even in, admittedly, Newcastle were down to ten, but they were still hectic. They were still pushing. They were still trying to get close. He was the one who was able to put his foot on the ball. And putting your foot on the ball is something which is becoming increasingly an art form in this all-action Premier League. Uh, but it's one which currently not many Liverpool players look like they can do, Dave. No, it, it is. It's becoming a lost art, isn't it? Because I mean, you go back years ago, you had the 
players who, who would have that scope of the team to have ages on the ball when nobody else really did when it was still hustling and bustling in the Premier League and Alberto actually I was quite impressed with him when he came on I did watch him a few weeks ago when he scored the hat-trick in the under-21s and, mm. um, I he can strike a ball this, this lad can play um, I'm, I'm wondering what the, the thought is behind Rodgers playing Moses as number 10 when it clearly doesn't work Given the fact that Alberto clearly is a talent, I mean, does he feel as if it's too early for him? Maybe he feels it's too early for him, but the other thing as well is I think that Rodgers, and this is, you know, we've sat through a number of managers. Um, Rodgers is reluctant to change a winning team. And whilst he changed the one last week um, off the basis of bringing a thick line Johnson back in, uh, you know, and he, and he had the injury the injury issue still around Lucas and Sissoko. Um, sorry, Enrique as well. You know, it felt to me like he needed to get... He needed to make these changes, and I've, I've, you know, I felt for a while he's got this reluctance to change a winning team, and I think it's it's the sort of thing that we can, you know, if 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 he changes it and then they don't win, you go, well, they won last week. Why did they change it? It's, it's a it's a no win gamble for a manager, but I think that there is an argument that the lad hasn't looked good, and that and this is where it ultimately stems to, and this is what I'm driving at. Liverpool have looked poor in centre mid all season, and all season. We've had conversations, Dave, and everyone's had conversations around the asp- the, the notion that get more energy in there, it'll change it. Um, specifically looking at Lucas and Gerrard and thinking they can't keep going after 50-55. It's true that more there was more energy in there with Henderson, just as there's more energy with, in there with Henderson against Crystal Palace. But they still struggled. Henderson was very Henderson. He had all the strength of Henderson. Mm. He put himself about. He looked to win the ball. He looked to press. He was aggressive out of possession. He had all the weaknesses of Henderson. He wasn't quite as good on the ball as you feel as though he's got in his locker. He seems like he's a little reluctant at times to be quite as incisive with his passing as you'd like. Um, and he can be a little bit brainless in um, in key moments. Gerard was very Gerard. Gerard was imperious. He bestrode the pitch when Liverpool had the ball. But when Liverpool don't have the ball, there is this issue around exactly what it is that he's bringing you. But the other aspect of this is effectively until he moved wide left Moses barely kicked it and he simply couldn't do that bit that you need to if you're going to play for 3 four, one, two, the one can join the two and the one can join the, other, the, the the midfield behind it one or the other at any given moment in play but you've got to be able to do both mm. and Moses is only comfortable when he's doing when he's joining the two attackers and even there he was struggling to do that because you need someone who brings the ball up the pitch and acts in that position and in that moment and that's been I think that's been the case sort of pretty generally what's great about him is seeing him do direct powerful strong running with the ball through the middle of the pitch that's great to see and there are very few sides in the country who've got someone who's doing that in that manner but ultimately if he's unable to contribute at all in the opposite direction, then you've got a problem. And I think that that's the problem that Liverpool have had this season in the centre of the midfield. I think that earlier in the season they were trying to sort of have some sort of combination of Coutinho and Henderson when they were still playing a flat four when Coutinho was available, joining joining into a middle two uh, uh, to help out Lucas and Gerrard. And that wasn't quite what it needed to be. It felt like it was easy for Coutinho to glide around but he wasn't able to drop in and help. Similarly, it felt like all that Henderson was doing really was firefighting and charging rounds. Now, if Liverpool could have someone who can let them, help them, put the foot on the ball in the middle third, make himself available for a pass, get it, give it back, shift it, then they may be able to control games better and get a grip of them better. And I think the manager missed a trick, really, at 1-1 or half-time. We all love half-time substitutions. We're all theoretically right behind them. But I think if Liverpool had gone to a flat four and had tried to actively not just run at people and create, but also have a plan 
to take control of the football and take control of the game. But I think they'd gone on and won the game quite comfortably, and that, that, that changes Alberto. And it was clear from what he did on 62 when Liverpool were a goal down, exactly what he could have done and might have been easier for him to do at 1-1 when the game was still in the balance. Do you, do you think that, that then is more Rodgers thinking that Moses can play that role, a belief that Moses can link up either either side of the attack. And no, defend. I don't think. I think he does think he can, but I think he thinks he can do without it at least for a period of time in the game. Uh, Nico Prey, the Anfield rap pointed out. Liverpool's bench was mad against uh, Newcastle, but Liverpool's bench is often mad. Liverpool's bench is often full of lads who come on and calm it down and shore it up. Uh, that's partially because of the inequality in, in, in who does what in Liverpool's squad, but I also think that's a deliberate decision by Brendan Rodgers. He sees his substitutions as things he does to get to see the game out, rather than things he does to step the game up. So I think that that's... He wants... Basically, it's not entirely unlike the game we, we consistently bang on about, this Chelsea-Everton game last season, uh, Everton versus Chelsea, wherein whilst that was all about transitions... Um, and Moyes consistently used to feel that his Everton side would win a transition battle against almost anyone else. I feel as though Rodgers is happy for the game to not have a huge quantity of shape, but to feel as though my lads will create more and better chances than yours, mm. and they will put the ball in the back of the net. And that therefore trying to impose a shape on a game, he's almost quite happy for it to have chaos, and for it to be quite shapeless, and then Liverpool get ahead, and then the shape and even if that shape is Liverpool just falling in, as it has been at times this season, and, and the opposition trying to break through the Liverpool shell, um, I think he's he's happy to take the gamble of, I feel as though my lads will get us one goal up, two goals ahead, and then we go from there. I think if you take that approach, then it leads to a universe where a lad bangs in a 35-yarder. You know, I think that ultimately the, the metaphor I tried to use on the Anfield rap yesterday is to me it feels as though um, there's imagine a imagine a raffle with um, imagine a raffle with with a hundred tickets in it and it's whirling round and it's whirling round and Brendan Rodgers is sitting there and he feels confident he's got sixty five of the tickets and I think Brendan Rodgers feels that he's got against against sides certainly that aren't in the top seven he feels as though he's got sixty five of the tickets that if that just whirls round and the tickets are moving if someone pulls the hand in and pulls one out. The percentages say it will be a Liverpool mm. ticket. Um, but, as I say, that means every now and again someone just bangs one in. And I think that that's the problem. And Moses epitomises that. Moses is... The manager must be aware of what he's not going to offer him in a going backwards sort of sense because the manager's not stupid. The manager's a very intelligent man who knows much more about football than me. So I think what he's thinking is, I'm happy to have Moses. I'm happy to stir the battle. I'm happy to just have this circular, perpetual movement off the basis of the fact that when we finally say stop and someone pulls a ticket out, I think it will be a Liverpool ticket. So you think he's essentially playing percentages a lot of the time? I think that's what it is. I think he's thinking that we get, and then we get ahead and then we try to shut it down. Mm. We get ahead and then we try to shut it down either through substitutions or through the way in which we change what the mm. side does. Whereas, certainly uh, going into that uh, <coughs> at half-time, there was a big argument that Liverpool should have been happy with the idea of 1-1 at 70. Newcastle put loads of energy into that first half anyway, I thought. And then it, it, all, a lot of the good work that they did, and I don't think they did a load of good work. I don't think Newcastle were very good. They did one thing that was really interesting tactically, which is they played no one up front. Uh, they didn't have a focal point in attack. They kept taking turns, which really undermined Liverpool's three at the back because the one thing you need if you're going to play three defenders is they both all definitely need something to do, someone to step on, which I thought was interesting. But I didn't think they were that good, Newcastle. I didn't think either side you know, looked as though anyone tried to get the foot on the ball really and start playing. But what I thought was that at half-time, it was time for Liverpool to say, right, they've got 10. 
We may be in their grounds. They've got ten and they're going to tire. Why don't we just tire them out? And you could mm. see Liverpool were trying to do a bit of that with the ball at the start of the second half, but it was never still directed enough. And you've still got too many players on there who either want to force it, who, who struggle to take the right option. I thought Liverpool spent sixty-five minutes just forcing it. Everyone trying to force it. Gerard was trying to force it every time he got it. Gerard was trying to was trying to really make something happen. And that that again, this goes back to the idea of, of the raffle tickets. You know, yeah. constantly buying raffle tickets. Force it. Come on, something can come. Whereas it was. It was a it, it was a period in a game to get the fifteen minutes to the other side of half time to get to seventy even and just know we just had the ball there for twenty minutes twenty five minutes and we're going to come at you now and it was it was it was a game to turn the screw and Liverpool didn't really do that and I think that's problematic and I think that there was a Christian Walsh article he wrote for ESPN and the argument the gist of the article was um, there's every chance a good side goes on yeah. and wins that three two there's every chance a bad side loses it two one Liverpool. Finished two two, yeah. And uh, the screw that they turned, they didn't. They had a, that ten fifteen minute purple patch, I think, uh, from a prop from about sixty eight to about eighty two. And then when they got to two two, they just couldn't quite get that build, put that pressure back on again in order to create another four or five chances that would elicit one. Yeah, there were a couple of interesting points from the weekend from your game. I wanted to bring up with you actually. There was uh, first of all, there was a, an article by Tony Barrett as well in the Times today. I don't know if you've seen. I, mean, I only glossed Not over yet. it. Um, I haven't fully read it myself yet, and he was saying, despite results and position, it, it seems like there's, um, you know, a tendency, and, and it's it's almost to, to the point where it's an obsession. The Liverpool fans refer to the playing style because Brendan Rodgers, what Brendan Rodgers wants to do when he immediately first comes to Liverpool, there was that, and then I seen, funnily enough, about an hour later, a tweet that said, "Hang on, this is Julian football again." What, yeah, what? I think that's Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson's been saying that for a while. That yeah. it reminds him a lot of Julia, and there are similarities there because the point about when we were playing under Julia um, was that we were very strong at the back. We had a lot of lads who loved to win the ball at the back, uh, and up front there was you know any front two Liverpool put out was a strong front two. Um, you know there was that was when there was there was Fowler, there was Owen, there was Heskey, and there was Yari Litmanen, and even uh, Vladimir Schmidt. You know these were good players, yeah. very 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 good players. I think though the issue with that is that that Liverpool side was really strong in midfield. And it also had strength and depth up front, which this one doesn't have. But it was very, very strong in midfield. You know, they, it would win its battles. And I think that Liverpool have got a problem at the minute, which is that they're not being. And I don't think it's. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think the players are in not themselves necessarily helping at times. Like for instance, the fact that both Gerrard and Lucas do look like they tied on fifty-five. The fact that Henderson can be a bit headless. But if you're only going to put two in there then you've got to be very, very sure about exactly what it is that they're doing and what it is that you're asking them to do. And I think that's Liverpool's issue. Uh, is that you telling me to go to the break? It is, yeah. The, I'm doing the production role as well, You're doing the production role as well. That's excellent stuff. This is uh, this is all in the game with Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey, and this is indeed a commercial break. We'll be back after this to talk about Everton's victory over the weekend. It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson on City Talk 105.9 gone wrong yet not oh that did nothing's gone wrong yet <laughs> the, um, the mic fader wasn't put up quick enough literally there. literally the very moment I said nothing, nothing's gone wrong yet something went badly wrong um, Dave Downey Everton won at the weekend they beat Hull 2-1 um, uh, were you impressed with Hull? Uh, in, in patches I was yeah um, I, I really I've, I've banged on about him all season this lad Brady I'm, I'm convinced he's going to be a star uh, he's took two weeks to come back from a hernia operation which says it all really <laughs> uh, I, I, he was he was a bit 
he was a bit if mm, as you'd expect someone coming back from it. He looked like he came back from any operation. Yeah, he did, yeah. <laughs> uh, the a bit of a weird side, but didn't lack much in in quality in in, in either box really. Uh, Curtis Davis got man of the match in a few of the papers that I read on Sunday. Um, probably about right on from, from their side of things. Um, I've always been impressed by him, but they probably should have went two one up as well to get it back to one all. They missed the city just before that as well. So um, the, defensively, we weren't great. I thought in, in patches some of the play was it wasn't as as sharp as we have been in it. And I thought it would have been because the, it was one of those days where the surface was just fantastic for passing football. Yeah, looks like a greasy, greasy pitch. Um, Gareth Barry lucky to stay on the pitch as well. Yeah. Um, so all in all, one of those games where you're absolutely delighted to get out of it with three points. And and I'd go as far as saying that in the past it'd probably be one of those games where we didn't come out of it with three points. Martinez again showed a lot of of bottle by making the changes that he did. Um, Morales scores a goal it's, again was done I don't know what the goalkeeper was doing at all he must have thought it was going out so apparently it takes a flick off Gareth Barry that's a bit dubious but I don't know if that if that's true and you know it was it was a workmanlike performance as workmanlike as you'll get from a Martinez team I think but again I mean the the, uh, the second goal we scored from Stephen Pienaar fantastic finish but it was from route one yeah. goal kick so he said after the game Martinez as well you know we're not just a one trick pony it was it was quite refreshing to hear that but uh, all in all delighted to get out of it probably similar to the second half against Crystal Palace for Liverpool yeah where you just you just you, you, there comes a point in the football match where you just sort of wanted to stop you're watching the clock more than you yeah. are football yeah, yeah you just wanted to stop now you're thinking this will do this will do there's nothing else in this for anybody we just need to get out of this with three points yeah. I think it's fascinating those sorts of games I think it's fascinating when you win them and that's the point here you're right to say you know was, was there a the thing that interested me you know only haven't seen the highlights couldn't see the game obviously was there a, a late hole flurry or did Everton manage to see that out? You know what I mean? Did they manage to almost... Uh, was, was it a mad last five or ten? Because the big thing I remember from last season, watching Everton be one goal ahead in a lot of these games. You know, Everton had a lot of 2-2 two, two draws last season. Yeah. And there was a lot of games where Everton were... For, almost like, for reasons that didn't make much sense to you, have suddenly found themselves staggeringly under the cosh in the last ten minutes. Did that happen? It used to, you used to get that feeling that they were following a script. Like, you were watching an episode of Coordination Street, and you thought, <laughs> you know, is, is, the, is the drama at the end now? You know, yeah. is where we're going to get a cliffhanger at the end opposition will score 2-2 two, two, you go all miserable um, for once and I would say for once this is Martinez this is a different manager it didn't have that we were controlled in possession last 5 or 10 minutes we were knocking it round confidently uh, really nice to see actually that there wasn't that panic uh, inevitably as soon as the opposition get the ball, you're going to of track course, back. yeah. But it's more the it's more the idea of you know really inviting them on or anything like that there yeah. was none of that really no Everton. not really um, there, there wasn't you know, there wasn't we weren't under siege at any point and uh you know, it, it was nice to see a game kill say killed off. And Kone misses an absolute sitter. I'm not convinced by the lad here. I think he's uh <laughs> I'll tell you the, the the chances I've seen him miss so far at Goodison. He played against West Brom. Was it West Brom? I think it was. Uh missed a couple of sitters there. This one he misses, Neil. <laughs> I think I had to tuck it on my left. I, I think I was that confident uh, the lad it's one of those things for him because, and I feel quite a bit sorry for him because he's suddenly now third in a queue. Yeah, he, well, he, I, I don't know. He's probably second because Jelovic hasn't had a sniff since Lukaku came. So, um, I think he's probably the, the choice that you will bring on, given the energy he's got. And yeah. He's quick. He's not Jelovic like as in he'll, he'll, you know, he'll stick up the field. He will move about a bit. He'll shift around. Um, and the, the reason why I feel sorry for him is. 
Lukaku was always going to be the number one striker when he came. He was always going to get a game, no matter how poorly he played. I think he was always going to start. Yeah. Problem with Kone, he hasn't had that luxury given the in- injury, given his religious beliefs with his diet and stuff. Um, you know, he hasn't been afforded that luxury, and I do feel a, a little bit sorry for him having said that. I mean, the, the really are the, the some amateur chances that he's he's that have gone begging since he's been in the side. I think it's um it's it's a hard it's a hard role to play, really. I think the the coming on and running around striker, mm. um, you know, I think, and, and you're right to say he'll, he'll he'll settle when he gets the goal. He needs that goal, I mm. think, certainly, especially at Goodison. I suspect, you know, he needs the goal that calms him down and makes him feel as though he's he's, he's part of the part of the furniture at Everton, but. It's, it's interesting to, to to hear of Everton, you know, f- comfortably seeing games out mm. when they're tight games. Theoretically, it's interesting that that Everton are beginning. It looks as though to put a little run together. I think you know y- y- you can always write off City away. I think whoever you are, Everton haven't had to do that the last few seasons, but I think that a lot of the rest of the league has. You can always write off City away, but you know now Everton, barring that that result, they look on <laughs> from from the Chelsea home game onwards, from the arrival of Barry and Lukaku and McCarthy, they look on what looks like a nice little run of form. It's it's powered Everton up up the table. When we were talking before about the top eight, is the top eight is the top eight after eight games. It, you know it really looks like Everton belong in there and that's massively a David Moyes thing to be fair to David Moyes you know but you're looking at that league table and it doesn't surprise you where Everton are and and, and the way that they're playing still you know and the results that they're getting it doesn't surprise you either it's going to be a I think it's a campaign that's got a lot in it for Everton at this stage of proceedings. It's in the same way that I feel as though it's got a lot in it for Liverpool off the basis of the fact that no one's really impressing, uh, possibly until Arsenal this this weekend and City um, against Manchester United a little bit. But no one's really, really impressing outside of them at the moment. You know, it looks as though if you are Everton, if you are Liverpool, if you are Southampton, if you are Spurs, you can have a little look at this and go, we can we can we can put a little something together here. We can we can do something, yeah. and I think that suddenly, almost in the opposite way to what feels like last season, because Everton did start so well last season, because there was three draws. All of a sudden, now you're sort of looking at Everton, going, "Yeah, they look like you know, it, it, it feels like it's becoming something." Yeah, it's been it's definitely been more of a, a snowball effect rather than we got out the block so fast like we did last season. We, I mean, we won two out of our first three last season. Beat United at home on a Monday night, which was massive on the yeah. telly. And looked I mean, to... it, it took us double the amount of games this season to get six points as it did last season. Uh, you know, I, I think th- th- there's a lot of credence in, in the argument that, well, you know, similarly to Liverpool, we haven't played the big opposition yet. And in, in as far as me, you've had United at home, we've had Chelsea at home. The only difference is we've been to City, which, again, yep. you probably give that fixture up. Um you know, they're to come. They're the big tests to come. The, the thing that fascinates me about this season so far is, like we mentioned at the start of the show, you've got that top seven at the moment with that four-point gap to eighth and United. The the, the thing is, I, I'd probably, if you were to make predictions based on the opposition that they've played rather than the amount, just the, the games on face value, then you'd probably say that's the pecking order as it stands. Obviously, United have disappointed. They should have won more games than they actually have. Yeah. Everton Liverpool wise though I, I certainly think that I said to you last week I think we're level par I still believe that now Aston Villa next week is one of those where I, I'd normally go to Villa Park and take a draw but I think I, I'd really think you've you've got to be looking taking three from there because then the bigger fixtures come along for Everton you've got the derby coming up as well uh, I think it's this, this is now where we start to see separate the men from the boys as it were because you've got those fixtures against Hull at home scrappy three points 
You've, you've still got to get them out of the way. That was Everton's problem well, last I think season. I, that's I think the refreshing got, thing. Exactly, I think you've got to do them. And I think that yeah. that's almost where... I think that's where this will be decided. I think that everyone will look at the games between these sides. And I think everyone will look at the games between... If if Southampton do end up having the right side of 50-55 points, then I think you'll include them in there. But I think, come the end of the season, everyone will look at the, side, the games that they've had against one another and they'll be talking mini-leagues and all this sort of stuff. So far, Liverpool... Uh, you know, if, if we include them, Liverpool have beaten Manchester United. Um, they've lost to Southampton uh, in the you know United of themselves. Drop points whenever they played anyone in that um, at the moment who's above them in the league. They're everyone, everyone who's above them in the league so far, United have dropped points too when they mm. faced them. And I think that that's you know that's the concerning thing with vis-a-vis David Moyes. But I actually think that as long as you're not too flakulic with those points in that mini league, what's going to define it is the job you get done lower down the table for instance and this is where it hits for Liverpool this weekend you need to be putting Newcastle to bed when when you when 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 they give a penalty away at 1-0 that you then score where they get a man sent off and then you have 45 minutes plus in order to turn the screw you need to be putting them away that is too dropped and I think that that's where for instance it might come to at the end of the season <clears throat> Evan might be looking at the three the first three games where the way draws and think you know you need to be putting West Brom to the sword uh, at home if we're going to be yeah. in this company. Um, these games have that significance on them, but this weekend, Everton was strong against Hull. They were resilient against Hull. They got the result that they needed against Hull, even if it wasn't the performance. And if you just keep doing that and picking these ones up and just picking them up, then before you know where you are, you know you keep getting these threes in the bag. Before you know where you are, you know you can be you can be twelve games in, sitting nicely on circa twenty four points. You know, bounding along at a rate that is two points a game when you can we can all be looking at each other going well X hasn't played well and Y haven't played well and Z haven't played well but all you need to do is just beat what's in front of you and I think that that's you know that's where I think this league is massively massively going to be decided this season and that's why City Arsenal that's why at the moment they do look like the two most impressive sides because they look like they've got the putting people to the sword potential and that's where maybe still Liverpool, Everton, Chelsea, um, despite the, what, what they did coming from behind last, uh, over the weekend, that's where Manchester United, they still haven't got that and United are throwing points away in games where they really need to be, you know, at the, at the very least getting a point. I certainly think we're a lot more naive and probably Liverpool to more of an extent than Everton probably a lot more naive to read into performances more than the results at the moment and I suppose that's natural when you think well hang on we've drawn and he's drawn two, two all the way at Newcastle it's two points dropped but you look at the position in the league table you'd have taken it at this stage completely and I think I, I think that's massive and I think I think it's something that we miss you know it is it is I think it's easy to think it's a results business if you're used to getting the results. I think that when you're not used to getting the results, which Liverpool for three, four seasons haven't been, it's easy to consistently think of it as a performance business. You mentioned Tony Barrett before, and everyone who says Liverpool haven't performed as well as the points total, oh, right. But then there's another side of this, which is look at the points total. It doesn't matter. Yeah, at the end of the look day. at the points total. Now, you can, yeah. you can use it as a as a harbinger of, of doom, i.e. at some point there'll be a reversion to the performances There'll be a correlation to, to that one. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- you can think that that's the case, but then that doesn't mean that the performances nece- necessarily stay at that level. Yeah, and I think that we can we can get concerned and get hung up on it. And I think it's easier, you know, Manchester United under Alex Ferguson in the last three seasons or so, they had no problem. Um, those supporters, basically, they knew that a lot of the time this Man United side wasn't playing that well but through sheer force of will it was dragging itself towards league championships and even the one that they lost to City you know the, that side it, it amassed 88 points it did a brilliant job mm. it just lost with the last kick of the season and 
ultimately they, they, there was times when you look at that side and you go it's not playing well it's not playing well it's not playing well at some point the wheels are going to come off but the wheels never came off and I do think that we have this issue around you know basically if you're not used to seeing your side do that then you panic because you go well we're not playing well we're still picking these points up but we're not playing well but then you know that's that's a mark of something it's what you turn it into therefore because there is going to come a point where ultimately by I think mid-December we're going to know who's been playing well enough to lay markers down for a genuine challenge for a top four place and I think that that's coming and I think that the other side of this as well from a from a point of view of everybody is I think within reason almost anyone who lays a marker down by mid-December for a top four place will be laying a marker down for a championship challenge because I can't see even now, even with Arsenal winning the way in which they did over the weekend, even with City getting another three points under the belt, away from home now, finally getting that first away win, I still can't see how anyone really runs away with this. And I th- therefore, if no one really runs away with it, then I think that you could quite have a, have a situation where you've got five or six sides who are all slugging it out with one another at a certain level. And I just think that for Liverpool and Everton, Dave, it's a question of momentum. It really is, and and that's the important thing about these these games. I mean, all right, yeah, you look at them on paper, like we've said, Liverpool's, you know, Liverpool start to the season fixture wise, been games that you think well, yeah, we'll win most of those. Having said that, you've still got to go and do it, and yeah. when you when you go and do it, you you then putting yourself in, you know, confidence shape to go and take on a United away, to go and take on City away, you know, you, Chelsea. I mean, Liverpool's Christmas New Year fixture list is is daunting to say the least, isn't it? You win, you win your majority bulk of games, you're still in touch with the top four by coming to that point. You're not playing catch-up, you can well, approach these games in a totally different light. Exactly, and I think that this is a big deal. I think in, in recent seasons, I remember when we went to Chelsea last season, feeling as though we really need three points from this, if we're going to have any, any chance of coming to top four. It's a place to be that though, isn't it? Because you're, in not, October, you're not expecting to, to win that game. In October, November, I think it was November last season, in November last season, going to Chelsea thinking we really need three points here. And we didn't get them, we got a point and we were unfortunate if the game had been ten minutes more, I think we'd have gone on and got mm. three points. But that's not the point. The point is, when Liverpool go to, you know, Liverpool now very much need to get three points from West Brom at home to then go on against Arsenal, so that so that Liverpool can turn up to Arsenal and go. Draws all right here, but last season when we went to Arsenal in February, we were we, we were playing well. We got two 0 ahead in the game. It felt like a game we really needed to win to keep the top four ambitions alive. And then they pegged us back to two two, and it ended up feeling like a defeat. Well, if Liverpool can beat West Brom, then you'd take two two all day at Arsenal. Similarly, then they've got Fulham at home. Then there's Everton away, where again you'd be all right with a point. And as soon as you can start to approach football matches where you're pretty much okay with a point, then there's there's a factor that you're actually more likely to get three. You can relax a little bit more. You haven't got to make the running. There are not desperate occasions and all this sort of stuff. And Liverpool have got a horrible Christmas period. But what they've also got then is they've got Hull, they've got Norwich, they've got West Ham in that run before they go to Spurs. Again, yeah. if Liverpool pick up or win all the games they should win between now and when they play Spurs, then they won't need to go, need to turn up to White Hart Lane feeling like they need something. The habit of winning is underrated, isn't it? Because it doesn't matter who you beat. You know, you, you, you've still got to go and do it. I mean, say for instance, you go and lose those games or draw those games. For instance, the Southampton one for Liverpool, like drawing 0-0 at home to West Brom. You start seeing this as a massive chance missed and then you're looking to play catch-up. Like I said, it's a horrible place to be if you're thinking, we've got to go to Chelsea and take three points. That's a massive challenge without the burden of having to get those three points. It completely is. It completely yeah. is. And I think that it's, it, it's, it's creating false 
issues around football matches that you just sort of don't need. I think it's I think that Liverpool and Everton at the moment have both now done an, almost done enough this season that if they can capitalise in the next two three games uh, in some way shape or form, that includes, Liverpool take seven points for the next three games, uh, Everton do something similar, take seven points for the next three games, then both sides will be in a position to actually be able to relax, enjoy the football more, and look what they can get. Listen, this is all in the game. Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey don't go anywhere. We're going to see this Monday night out. Everything and anything football, it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. That is City Talk 105.9. Uh, Dave Downey is my out time, 54.43. It is, that's correct. Excellent stuff. This is excellent stuff. Just thought I'd do some admin for you there on the radio. Uh, sometimes we've got to pull back the um, step from behind the curtain and you can see Oz in all of his pathetic glory. This is indeed all in the game and that should be our slogan next week. Uh, <laughs> Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey with you right the way through until 7 o'clock. I hope whatever it is you're doing this evening across Liverpool, you're getting on with it okay. I mean, you know, we've all got to talk about this weather a little bit at some point. It's, um, it's, getting, to that, it's getting to the time of the season. I think Dave Downey refers to as Neil's time when he gets to see me walk up, up yeah, the yeah. tower, um, generally soaking wet. Um, you know, you know, if we were if we were to like cut ties now, and I was never to see it again, that'd be my abiding memory of you coming in with rain pouring down your glasses and your hairs all over the place, and you're just like, "Where are we? Yeah, what, what are we doing? What, what are we doing, doing next? What are we doing next? Yeah. Me, lo- me looking tired Having and wet. Sprinted across town. Me looking tired, wet and, sh- and rushed. That is indeed. That should also be the slogan of <laughs> yeah. all in the game. Um, but anyway, right, going right the way through until seven o'clock now. And we're going to just uh, finish off. We didn't really do it last week when we did the rundown because we weren't being nasty. And I'm still trying not to be nasty. Um, it's getting concerning for Moyes. Mm, I think it is. I think it's, it's, it's at the point now where it's, it, it feels like he's... The, the, it's, it, it, it's when the scales fall from eyes and whose eyes and when they fall. I think when you're a new manager moving into a club, and now this result against Southampton and the manner of it, the fact that they were fundamentally second best um, across the 90 minutes and very much addressed the last 20 minutes of the game like a side that had been second best, which I think is something that Manchester United fans find difficult generally. I think that it's happened more than they give credit for under Ferguson because Ferguson's a great myth. And I think this is one of the things that's hurting Moyes. The great myth of, of Alex Ferguson is that he plays non-stop free-flowing attacking football, which was just simply, it was never thus. Mm. But now this, this myth, is now fully exposed to hit Moyes across the back with when he's shutting up shop with 20 to go against Southampton at home it's it, it, let's be quite honest here he's got one more point from that fixture than Liverpool have managed this season you know it's uh, put it in that context but Dave he looks like a man who's struggling he does it's, uh, it was the it was the Dave of Weir sub we used to refer to it as when he was at Goodison um, 70, 80 minutes you one goal in front you put your central defender on from the attacking player and then generally close up shop like you're saying um, it backfired. The the thing that that I mean, I, I'm, forgive me a cruel chuckle here, but uh, I I think it, it, when it rains, it pours. Uh, I suppose that's perfect. It's in the weather at the moment. Um, when United were one 0 up, I think they hit the bar twice. I think they hit the post as well. Uh, I think they played some decent football as well. From I watched it on on Sky, so I've seen about 50 minutes of it, and they look like a side that were playing high on confidence and probably should have won the game. Having said that, Southampton have, have really impressed me all season long, and they've done what they, they've done all the time. They did what they did at Anfield, pressed high, uh, got the goal in the end, fortuitously, albeit got a one-all draw out of it. And you, you're looking at Moyes you're thinking that should have happened. It's similar to the West Brom game, you know. It's uh, it, the, the massive concern from it is that did not happen under Ferguson under any means necessary. I mean, you could count on one hand the amount of times when United dropped points at, at home. 
when they've played better than the opposition. And it's a thing that's often misrepresented in the media. The, the, the first thing that comes to people's minds is United must have been poor there. West Brom played really well against Man United and beat them. United seldom played well and dropped points. Yep. And that is what's happening under David Moyes, and that is the massive concern because when they play poorly, they're it's, thinking it's going to kick on even further. It's this disconnect, isn't it, from what happens when basically it was one nil with mm. seventy with, with seventy gone, and Southampton weren't stopping. I mean, that was the thing: Southampton weren't stopping. Yeah. There's huge amounts of legs. I don't know if they can keep this up across the season, but there's crazy amounts of legs yeah. in that Southampton attack in terms of the way what they do, the work that they're doing out of possession. It really is. It's terrifying. It just really, simply it's really, it's really nice to watch. Actually, it is. It's such. It's such aggressive from football, I think, from them. And it wouldn't surprise me if they go somewhere this season and they get spanked yeah. off the basis of the fact that they're going to be so overcommitted in terms of being that front foot forward. All it needs is the right side to get 2-0 ahead and then they'll just start picking them off at will, I think. But at the moment, they're doing this and it's working for them. And it is. It's it's a Basically, we're going to have to start renaming this podcast after them. Sorry, this radio show after them. Yeah. Sorry, we're going to have to start calling it the Southampton out because of how impressive they are as a side. But they do just sort of flow and flow and flow and the, the, the work ethics are immense. But it's it's this idea that it gets to 75, it's 1-0, and it stops being any interest in making it two and just becomes, we'll just take the take the three points here, we just get out. It's something that's always been labelled at Moyes, that, that thing as well, and it, it epitomised this time at Everton. I think you, you look at, like I said, with that weird substitution. The, the funny thing that reminded me of Southampton was, do you remember when he got beat by Bilbao uh, at Old Trafford, and Bilbao played this fantastic high-pressing yeah. game, and we're just... You know, we weren't irresistible. Bothered. We weren't bothered by anything going to Old Trafford. I think a lot of sides will take half from what Southampton have done this and season. And West Brom. Exactly. They've gone there thinking, hang on, this isn't what it used to be. We can get at these. And there's no there's no fear anymore. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that this season. I think United will have to step it up even more at home. Well, that's the thing now, isn't it? Suddenly now for these, these, these games for Manchester United, they are now proper contests yeah. sides are going there having a go and that's when you've got to put them to bed you can't just trust that we've got 1-0 up they are sufficiently cowed there isn't this idea that sides are turning up and taking 2-0 defeats they're turning up as you say and thinking yeah we can get at these and I think that that is difficult and it's you know United have had tough fixtures so far so you know they are four points ahead uh, from eighth, from 7th to 8th but you know you'd think that they're going to make up that ground but you don't see again you don't see this run of results that United put you don't see them putting together 6-7-8 consecutive wins that's what you don't see with this side now well, you do, you've got to play the same sides we all have, you know, and, and, and the dropping points against them. You know, the, the, we talk about dropping points against West Brom. They got beat by West Brom. Drop points against Southampton. They've, you know, they've drew against Southampton. It's the same side. It's not like they're going away to the big boys and losing. And that is what the fear is from Moyes. It's similar to when he was at Everton. He's got to go to Chelsea. He's got to go to City. And he's got to get results now. And, and that's that's the fearful thing if you're a Man United fan with Moyes, I think. I think that, that yet yeah, they've now got to play catch up and start picking those points up out of those games, which thus far they haven't done. They yeah. faced Liverpool and got beat away. Faced City and got beat away faced Chelsea and got something at home uh, got a point only at home and now Southampton at home and only a point uh, they've still as you say there they've still got to play Arsenal still got to play Spurs still got to play Everton uh, mm. out of the sides that are currently above them and it's and, and, and they've also got to go to a lot of places there as well it's going to be difficult for them from this point to sort of they have got to put that run together that becomes the more sides that are genuinely competitive it becomes harder to put that run together I, I just I don't know where where he starts to turn things around I don't know what he does differently Differently. I mean, it, it is so hard. Uh, the, the lads on the Blue Room, um, Barry, who comes on the Blue Room regularly, uh, he, he put it right when he said, I would never thought Moyes would be that 
so naive to be the man that followed Ferguson. He wanted, he thought he would have been clever enough to be the man that followed the man that followed Ferguson. Oh, that was the, that, that, that's the most hotly contested role in English football today. Yeah. I think that's a, I think <laughs> yeah. that's a, a lot of people have put the CV together for that particular yeah. role. And I think that that's Doing the other right thing. Now, I think. Well, that's the other thing that's going to start happening. I think you turn the screw and then you are beginning to become club in turmoil. Mm. They very much need to get something in the Champions League this week and go from there. Listen, this has been all in the game uh, on City Talk 105.9. Uh, nothing has gone that badly wrong. We've not got many seconds left. Thanks to Dave. Thanks to me. Thanks to you for listening. Have a good night. It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson on City Talk 105.9.